Have you, a friend, or family member ever considered writing a book and getting it published? Well, I have the perfect idea for you. You should contact Wasteland Press. Wasteland Press is a self-publishing book company, and since they started in 2000, they have published over 4,000 book titles. That's right, over 4,000 book titles, and they make money from your book, not you, and they work for you non-stop, full-time. You can sell your free copies when it's all said and done to make an investment off of your book, and there is no other publishing company that can offer that. They provide full-service publishing for you and your book, which includes the cover design and formatting. And they also have a plan that can fit your budget, which includes the basic plan, the silver plan, the gold plan, the platinum plan, and the ultimate plan. If you want to find out more about these plans, you can contact them at 502-437-0860. That's 502-437-0860. And if you want to request a publishing guide, you can contact them at wastelandpress.net. Do it. You won't regret it. Make your dreams come true with Wasteland Press. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Man Cave Sports Podcast. I am Tyler Goff. I'm here with Tim Renfro again in the big chair after Christmas. Boxing Day was yesterday. I hope everyone had a very happy holidays. I hope everyone got Boxing the... Boxing pr- Day is a British holiday. But they're their neighbors to the... <laughs> they're our most special ally. But, uh, yeah, Boxing Day was yesterday. I, seriously, I hope everyone had a good Christmas. I hope everyone got the presents they got, what they hoped for. I hope everyone got some really good food in them. And we're going to dedicate this episode because there are military people out there who, you know... Cameron. Get, Cameron, this one's dedicated to him and all to the military people out there who didn't get to come home for Christmas. And we know that they are, you know, really fighting for us and protecting our basic freedoms every single day. So, and we have a packed show. It's been a couple of months we've done, since we've done an episode. We have a lot of basketball to talk about. We have a lot of football to talk about. And then we're going to end the show talking about the college football playoff, which is this weekend. And then take a look at the other really good bowl games and talk about Kentucky versus Virginia Tech and the Belk Bowl. And then maybe a little bit of Millville versus Mississippi State in the Wedge. Shocker there. Another Music City bow for the state of Kentucky. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we got basically a lot to talk about. In Nash Vegas. Nash Vegas, baby. And so basketball, I was really off to a good start. I was really happy because we had that first game against Michigan State, and we played great. I thought we were going to be a really good defensive team. Our guards played great. I thought Tyrese Maxey was going to be a killer. And then the next game, we destroy Eastern Kentucky. And I'm feeling even more good about this team. I'm thinking, wow, damn, this is, this might be the year for us. And then we play Evansville. We sucked. And I was like, you know, we shouldn't have lost that. But, you know, look toward, forward to greener pastures. It's still, it was just early November. We still have a lot of time until March or, you know, at least February to get things back in shape. And then we lose to Utah, which Utah, after they beat us, 
they lost by 28 points to San Diego State. Now, San Diego State's still undefeated, and they're a good team, but it's San Diego State, and they got beat pretty good by them. And then Ohio State, which, you know, honestly, if we kept our cool against Evansville, we beat them, and we beat Utah, I wouldn't be as mad against Ohio State because Ohio State's a decent team. But obviously, right now, this Kentucky basketball program is – we're just – they're just not good right now. And what I'm really worried about is, you know, with previous scout teams, you could always say, well, just wait until February. Just wait until March. They'll get better. It's the same this year. It's it's, (laughs) – It's the same thing. We, we, you know, like you were saying, the analogy, we we keep pushing that ball up the, up the hill, then bad something happens, and then we go drag all the way back down that hill. Now, going back to what I'm worried about, I'm worried about, I don't know if this team's going to get better. Because usually by now we see... They'll get better. We see signs that, yeah, they're going to get better, but I don't know. I mean, I... I we got a L game coming up. Well, we got that game tomorrow... And that will be a de- that's definitely a good jumping point is if we can have a good decent performance against Louisville. And we didn't have a bad performance against Ohio State. No, I don't think so. What pissed me off most about that game was the rest. Yeah. They had twice as I'm many not one, free throws as we did. They, which is Ohio State had like twenty seven versus our thirteen. Yeah. Now it's normal for a game it's okay for a ref to miss a couple of calls. That's fine. Because that that's just normal game. That's what's going to happen. But when you're one-sided like that, it shouldn't be that bad. Where you're, Ohio State's shooting 27 points or 27 free throws, and then we're only shooting 13. That's the one thing I don't like about basketball is how big the refs can affect the game. They they really can. And the charging calls. Awful. Against uh, Utah and and the and the the ending think was it under two minutes phantom dives and yeah and we uh i think i can't remember who it was i'm pretty sure it was tyrese maxi he went in they initially called it a blocking charge yeah, which would have would have which we would have gotten it which would have gotten probably us two points and tied the game or either take the lead and then they reviewed it and then they called it a, a charging which it may very well have been charging but he was like well i just wanted to make sure that it was in that restricted zone. He was about four feet away from that restricted zone. Yeah, I think this so, is somewhere college basketball is really making a mistake. I think the, that review is for last-second shots. You know, I, I really you don't. don't you can't change – that changed the game against Utah. Yeah. And there was a couple of them, two straight in a row, where they called charging on us. It takes a flow out charging of the game, on Kentucky. too. It changes the momentum. It does everything. Think about that. You have, you're going into that. You think you're going to, hey, man, we're going to get two free throws out of this. Instead, you go down four points because the other team, you didn't hit your two free throws, and the other team hit theirs, and now you're down. Right. So, And it's it's really frustrating because a charging call shouldn't have that fit of a game. They shouldn't. You, it That changed the game on a bad way, and I think that pissed off a lot of fans, and it pissed off me because – you people expect you well. You can't blame the refs; they do the best that they can. But when you're like, when you do s- stupid crap like that, you have to call the refs out. And I like this idea. I think. When did the refs get above being criticized? That's part of the game. Bitching about the refs. Yeah. 
you know. And I actually like this idea. And uh, I think it was on a radio show I was listening to. It was either, I can't remember if it was a Louisville or if it was KSR, but why why don't you just interview the refs after a game? It doesn't have to be very long. Be like a five-minute segment. Ask them about a, a crucial, if it came down to a crucial play, have them go in, do a little interview, and explain the call and why they made that call. You know, the thing I don't like about the, the refs is they never hardly ever admit when they're wrong. They It's very rare. So if you had to interview at the end of the game, you could be like, yeah, we screwed that up. You know, we, pro- we probably shouldn't have called that. We shouldn't have reversed that call or whatever. Or or maybe, you know, even, you know, just take the, um, take the reviews out altogether. And then the ref at the end of the game can say, you know, I'm sorry, uh, Ohio State, you know, that was really a charge and we called it, a, you know, we we called it incorrectly. But, I mean, I, I don't think um, reviewing a charge is ridiculous in itself. Um, you know, and it messes with the uh, the flow of the game, things like that. Now, if, you know, if God takes a shot, hits a last-second free – hits a last-second shot, and you don't know whether that light went red or not, that's one thing. That's that's not affecting the flow of the game, nothing. So, I you know, this is not football. This is not stop and go. This is basketball. You run in all the time, you know. And, and, and calls should be clear cut. You yeah. shouldn't have to go back and review for five minutes or go to a commercial break. It and, shouldn't. And what about all the other times, Tyler, where Kentucky drew a charge, okay, and we know this happened. And clearly, it wasn't a charge. It was a phantom. You know, it was a phantom fall. against Utah. Yeah, uh, of a Utah player flopped. Yeah, Kentucky player. I think it was Khalil Whitney. Didn't even touch him. See, the thing he is, flopped. I don't even know it's a flop. At least flop. There's a little bit of contact, and they fall back. I think I call it a phantom. It was. Fall. It wasn't even a. It wasn't yeah. even any <laughs> contact at all. Yeah, it, it was, was just phantom, he just dude. fell. He just there. fell back like yeah. a dumbass. The wind blew him over. <laughs> and it, okay. Khalil Whitney's six six. The guy that went down was taller. He's probably six eight, six nine. Yeah. You think he he? Uh, you think he just came t- in and just knocked him? You in think the jar he'd be able to take a hit? Yeah. But refs aside, this Kentucky team obviously there's a lot of problems, and I am worried. Again, I'm worried. I don't know if they're going to be able to get. I don't know if they're going to get better. But I, there are problems, and I think these problems they can be fixed. I, there's one that I'm kind of concerned about, but like I said, refs aside, it's us. We lost these games because of us. We've had teams in the past, though, Tyler, that have struggled in the recent past. I, and, Ju- and the then, Julius Randle team, yes. they didn't turn it on all the way until the SEC tournament. Yeah, and that's that's sort of what I would tell you. This L game is going to be important, but in the grand scheme of things, is it going to affect the tournament? At the end of the year, probably not. No matter what, and Jerry Palm had his – I don't know. I don't think you know who that is. Jerry Palm's a guy who's, who does t- NCAA tournament predictions, yeah. even though it's way too early and you can't really predict that stuff <laughs> at this early in the season. He had Louisville – I mean, he had Kentucky out. And you really think they're going to – No. Unless Kentucky out. completely falls apart, Yeah. they're going to get Kentucky in. And, and, and only in the Cal era – Okay, and the only time that we've ever fallen out is because of a major injury. And Nerland Noel, well. he was the heart and soul of that team. Yeah. He got hurt. He was that team. Yeah, he yeah. was. And you look at what he did, yeah. 
and unless we completely fall apart, it's not going to happen. Yeah, we're I, gonna we're gonna make the NCAA tournament. If regardless. we're talking about North Carolina or something, you know, uh, we might be able to have that conversation because they've really racked up a lot of losses, and and they're going in the ACC. And you're like, yeah, they're going to lose some more, you know. So so, but uh, Kentucky, it's way too early. That's silly, and uh, I definitely think we're going to be. I, I tell you what, this is how I see it. If, and we've, if we have a bad show in the SEC, we're in trouble. Yeah. And, and the thing is, our schedule doesn't really start picking up where it starts to get difficult until February. Yeah. And Tennessee, I'm not really worried about Tennessee because they just lost their starting point guard yeah. for the rest of the season. Yeah. That's still going to be a tough game regardless. Still, it's because it's, 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 it's always going to be tough, yeah. especially in Knoxville. Yeah. But our schedule doesn't, and as far as the SEC is concerned, doesn't start getting tough until February. So we do have January to try to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if we struggle – we're in for a long haul. And whether or not we – like the Julius Randle team, we t- won't turn it on until SEC tournament. I mean – The thing I take heart in, though, Tyler, is that we, we've we had shows of brilliance. and Against Michigan State. Yeah. Where's that team? Where's well, that defensive team? But, and I that's mean, one of the things that's that I'm – That's part of maturity, okay? When you got a young kid, they have good games and then they have down games. And then at some point, this is the bad thing about the Cal era. And everybody, I think anybody would agree with this, is that one of the things that we've been sorely lacking, although he's tried to make up for it in recent years, is the lack of leadership, the lack of experience in the college game. I always thought, and I don't know if you have that same mindset, you can win with one and dones. But they got to be really good. They ones. Ha- they have to be top notch. You can win, like how Virginia does it, or how for um, uh, Villanova. Villanova. You can win. You can win both ways. But if you're gonna do it the one and done style, like Cal does, you have to get the top guys. Yeah. The top five. Especially, and we I have think, not I gotten think in, that. And really important is in, on the inside. You have to have the top guys. Uh, because that's your stability. That. You think about our best teams. What's one thing that we've had that's been solid? Yeah. Other than point guards. Yeah. Our big man, Demarcus yeah. Cousins, Anthony Davis, Terrence Jones. Anytime Anthony that we've Towns. ever lost late in the tournament has always been we didn't go to the inside. We didn't go to our bread and butter and we when we died for it. You know, going back to Wisconsin, Kentucky, all of that. And uh, you know, so I definitely think uh this year is is shaping up to be something different than we've seen before but i don't think it's lost i think we're i think we should just fans are overreacting well yeah. i have my worries and i'll, I'll do one the coach of the decade are you kidding me he just okay you look at <laughs> okay i do want to get to the problems that i see about this kentucky yeah. basketball team but fans you know despite i do have my issues with this basketball team fans are overreacting there's literally one guy on Twitter that said, I hope we fire Cal. Or is on Instagram <laughs> said, I hope we, uh, I hope Cal gets fired. And get who? Yeah. Honestly, please. That's why I wanted to – I didn't I, I comment don't think, back. I, but I, you know, this who, is, who are you going to get that does what Cal does year in, year out? Despite – it doesn't matter what kind of talent that he gets. He's – it's uh, before the season starts, they're always in talk of being a contention for the national title. They're always in Vegas – they're always one of the top teams with the, one of the best odds to win a national you know, championship. And I know that I'm not – I mean, I like Calipari, but I have my issues with him. But there's no way in hell that I would ever – You're always with your him. favorite team. 
you're always going to have issues yeah. with the little, whether it's small or whether it's big. But what, you're but always saying gonna, the word fired is stepping over the line. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. So here's what, so UK, and this is all in the, the cow era. And 10 years, seven elite eights. That's crazy. No one else in the country has more than four. We have and that includes that, Duke's folks. Yep, ten. We have in the ten years four Final Fours. No one in the, else in the country has more than three. That's crazy. That's that's a fifty percent. We have one title. Only UConn and Villanova. They have two. Yeah. And in the span, other than those titles, guess how many Elite Eights they have combined? Yeah. One. Yeah. So you can't tell me that you want Cal to get fired because you know once he's gone, there's going to be a step back. I think so. I'm, unless, I'm sure there unless, are yeah. a lot of teams that wish they could have this amount of success. Could should he have one more, one or two more titles? Sure. But, I think he retires at UK. I really do. Yeah. I believe that. But uh, and then and then after that, you're just hopeful. If he was going to go to the NBA, he uh, go back to the NBA again. He would have already done it. I I think at this point, yeah. It's I mean, we're ten years. Considering in. his age, he's sixty. Yeah. I, th- I think I think he you know and and not only that but there's some uh, there's some uh, words of cause, caution for him too which is what Rick Pitino did you know Rick Pitino stayed with Kentucky his career would have had a completely different trajectory and I think he learned his lesson from and Rick he Pitino. still probably be, be coaching today yeah yeah so <laughs> wow and God knows how many championships yeah. too but uh, I mean regardless I I I think at this point you know. Um, if it's if he were to leave, it would have already happened, I think. And uh, now it's getting to the point where, you know, he's ten. And I years think here's removed. the problem. You know, there's fans that you know, that do the say NBA coaching's we, getting younger. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are fans saying, "Well, I hope he fired Cal." <laughs> so, it. I mean, it's mind-boggling to me. <laughs> Welcome to Kentucky basketball. And the problem is, the a problem with our fan base is we're spoiled. Yeah, I'm not saying you and I are spoiled, but these younger guys that kind of grew up with, and I, oh, I, yeah. I, mean, I grew Good up point. with it. Good point. They these they're spoiled because they, they grew up. They know, know nothing but one and dones. Know nothing but John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis. We, I'm not like I said. I'm not saying you and I, but. A large portion of our fan base, I believe, is spoiled yeah. because at Kentucky they expect nothing but greatness from Cal Perry because of his early years. You look at his first six years, four Final Fours. You have all the success with the Elite Eights, and most they make it far in the tournament, and they have one title. That yeah. th- there's no better success story success story that I that I've seen from six years with the amount of success in that. Yeah, and now. People after that Colin Anthony Towns team where we lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four, we haven't had that same amount of success. We have we still haven't Scal was Scalabizier was number one or number two, but he never he didn't pan out. So we didn't we haven't had well, I think really a lot elite of it is talent too, in a long time. A lot of the other coaches started buying into Calipari's type of scheme too. And it, and when you get a crowded – Once Duke started Duke, doing it, people started yeah. – I mean, these top that, guys, look at Zion. That's true. Duke did start – was a late converter, you know. And, uh, 
you know, so it, it, I definitely think the competition's getting up there as far as getting recruits. Now you have lower teams, I would say mid-level teams like Memphis and things like that, that are kind of uh, I mean, stepping into I mean, the We fight. talked about this earlier before the football season started. I mean, for whatever reason, we haven't gotten these top guys. Yeah. And whether or not it's schools actually paying these other guys or not, we just haven't. And that's the, the, the difference between these last four years and the first six years of Cal's time here at Kentucky. His first six years here, he's gotten that top guy. Without a doubt, he was going to get one of them. Yeah. The last four years, you can say we have really haven't. And that's one of the big problems right now is we don't have a killer on this team, and we haven't in previous years. I mean, the last two to three years, we haven't had a killer on this team that you get the ball, get the ball in their hands, they're going to do something with it, get you a point, get you a rebound, do whatever they need to do. A, just a straight killer. We don't have that. On this year's team, I thought it was going to be Tyrese Maxey after his performance against Michigan State. Had over twenty points, had a great game, had a, hit a dagger of a three to seal it. I thought that's going to be our guy this year. That's whenever we need him, he's going to show up. Well, after that, he's at one has one game over twenty points. Other than that, we we talked about he's this. shooting like twenty eight percent from the three point line. It's going to be an interesting uh, and just looking into the future, it's going to be an interesting transition where uh, people are going straight out of high school if they're 18. Um, and I was telling you this. I did want to talk about this. If you want a glimpse of what college basketball might be like once the one and none rule gets thrown out of the, you know, thrown out, this is what it's going to be like. Except you're going to get more top guys. I, I would assume the top three guys might go to the NBA. I don't know if it's going to be like that every year, but I'm assuming that number one, number two guy might go straight to the NBA from high school. I really do think that. But anyways, like I said, I don't. You kind of had your opinion about that, but I do think if you want, if people want a glimpse of what college basketball is going to be like after the one and done era, this year's what it's going to be like. Well, you, it, there's it not going to be you, the well, NBA too. There's still going to be five stars that go to college, but they're not going to be like. Zion Williamson's, Anthony Davis's. But, I mean, it also depends on the NBA, too. It does. There, there's, another, there's another party involved. The NBA uh, can somehow flesh out their their uh, minors, minor leagues. You know, they, they definitely can get a lot more five stars to come into the fray. Uh, but right now, it looks like, and you're right, it looks like they're just going after people that are pretty much NBA-ready right out of high school. Like I said, there's still going to be – Five star, like the the non elite five stars are still going to go to college, and that's what you're going to get, like this year. Yeah, where it's just there's not going to be any dominant team, and I think it's going to be better that way. People are going to complain. Well, we don't have the well, Zion Williamses to spark the rage. I don't. I don't we I don't, don't have Zion Williamson to make college basketball fun. It's still going to be fun. Basketball is fun when you know the players. I, do, I think so, too. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I, I think what cures college basketball ills, I think, and then a lot of the problems that they have, is to have people stay for a while. And I don't know how you do that. I mean, you can't tell a five-star who plays one year in college who's ready to go to the NBA, oh, by the way, you got to stay until your junior year. And See, here's the thing, though. I do think with this, with the possible – 
inclusion of them being able to get money from their name, I think that's going to play a big factor. Because we true. talked about this in the last episode yeah. or a couple episodes ago. I really do feel like that's going to give these kids and this the pay-for-play bill. I really do think if more, as long as more states adapt to it and they include it and they make a law for it, I really do think that's going to give these kids an incentive to stay in college. I, I agree, but the, but, the, but the devil's in the details, Tyler. Yes, it, you know, it is. It depends on what they – they might restrict the hell out of it where – But if it's know, not that – but, I mean, knowing from MCAA, they're probably – it's probably going to be – you know, they're not going to be able to make that much. But if they are, I mean, if, if the NCAA actually allows where they don't – whereas there's not any restrictions, then – Hell, they might still give them the incentive to stay another year. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, it is that does it, that is contingent on how much they can make and if there's going to be a set limit. But I'm just going to set aside something really quick, and and that is, uh, and I don't want to get too far into this issue, but which is shoes. Um, shoes are really important to the game. You know this, uh, especially with a certain player who's playing for the Dallas Mavericks right now, it ought to send shockwaves. Luca. Yeah, if Luca gets a huge deal, it's going to send shockwaves because he did it. He took a huge He's risk. He's my age. But the thing I'd is, like he didn't making... sign with anybody. He got yeah. good and yeah, then signed a, with somebody. Yeah, he was a free agent. Yeah, so and that, to, that's that's huge. That and mother how, effort is good. I know, but, but <laughs> think about the implications of that. Think about it. you. You sign a kid in college – Okay, to let's say a Nike contract or whoever that is with. Um, I do think if they can get another thing is that these kids can get sponsors like around a local area. Yeah. That might make it. Oh, man. A better Kentucky, record. that's huge. Okay. You know how crazy our fan base is. Yeah. These college guys can get Wait a lot a of money by signing signatures. Going to, yeah, that's what I was getting to. Yeah. You could go to a bar and grill, go to KS Bar or whatever. You know how much money they, yeah. they especially if they're a popular as hell player around what about the, right before uh you know right, right after game oh you have you a know? little section on so, the so on this arena what, this is what i'm talking about the devil in the details okay what exactly does the ncaa do to prevent them from just all See, out and we we did talk about that i do think that as far as far as the ncaa is concerned they're gonna there is gonna have to be some kind of boundary as far as because it's gonna be complete chaos if they don't but how do you do that, though? Like for yeah, after the game, I think that's going to be a big deal. I think if he can – because they can make a lot of money Yeah. after – Especially if you have a really big game. And, and uh, especially if you have, like I said, a, a, a fan base that's as crazy as Kentucky, and you, and you, you know, pay however much for an autograph, like $20, and you get a lot – like 500 people, that's going to add up. Well, there, there's levels, too. Like, for example – when you sign a, um, let's say that you have a jersey and you sign it, that's worth more than signing a photo. You can sell, yeah, you can you sell know. your own jerseys. So you can sell or your own your, jerseys. Do your own your, merch. Yeah. That's what I don't ben, know. Benny you, Snell did that. That's what I'm saying. This this is where the, the nitty-gritty gets in, involved in how much uh, you cut in Kentucky. Like, that's going to be I mean, I would big... think if you're Kentucky, right, mm. and this person's selling – um, a jersey, and they're signing it. Well, Kentucky's going to want a piece of that too. The state, the the actual school, the NCAA oh, will want some of that because the mm-hmm. NCAA's that's got the, the grittiest, grittiest help. Yeah, 
So, but uh, it ought to be interesting to see what happens, and we can have a whole show just on the new rules. I do think again, I I really do think it's eventually it's going to be a big incentive for these for these players to come back another year, at least one more year, because if they can, if, especially like the local. I know there's a lot of places in Lexington where the, these kids can do local sponsors, mm-hmm. and that's just going to bring them more money. I, I will tell you this. And, and you add that on top of doing autograph one sessions. One last thing on it, and this is Yeah, the we kind of got off on a little well, bit about the One last thing, and then I'll, again, I'll, well, we can move back. But once you define rules, guess what can happen? You can break them. And not break them. Not really break them, excuse me. You can find loopholes. And then – so I think we're going to have three, three or four years – where the rules are going to be constantly changing, closing those loopholes. So um, it, it's going to be the Wild West the first year. You're going to see people doing crazy stuff, I think. Once they define the rules, they'll find the loopholes. They'll do the loopholes, and then the NCAA will cr- try to close the loopholes. So it ought to be interesting in itself. But right. to get back to what we're talking about. About Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I already said one of the problems that I felt like we have is we just don't have a killer on this team. Uh, Matt Jones said on his return to KSR yesterday, Jay Ballas, I don't really like Jay Ballas. I think he's a dookie. I think he doesn't like anyone else but Duke. But he said, I don't know if you think this is true, but he said a really great team will have three great scores. And not it doesn't have to be like great scores, but. I don't think the Christian Leitner team had three great scores. Yeah, Christian Leitner. Bobby Hurley wasn't a scorer. Christian Leitner. Uh, you know, wasn't Grant Hill on with him? Or Grant was that Hill later. Grant Hill was, but I mean, but he anyways, wasn't, he wasn't dominant. Like you know, so I, I we guess just, we don't have any scoring on this team too. Like we don't have every basket that we have is tough because we don't have a guy that can just create basic offense. Our closest guy is Tyrese Maxey, and he's still going in trying to take it up charge at a player and throw it up and hoping to God that something happens good with it. I mean, we just, we don't have a guy that can just has, that's, has just create basic offense for us. That's you. Every, yeah. every basket for us. And I've watched, I've went to three straight games. Yeah. Three or four straight games. Everything was tough. <laughs> we don't have a guy that could just dribble and take it to the basket without it being tough. And that close and, Tyrese is good at it, but Ashton Higgins is he has trouble finishing finishing at the at the rim. So anyway, like I said, we don't have a killer on this team. We just don't have a guy that we can rely on if we're in a tough spot and we need a basket. I don't. We don't have a guy. And Tyrese Maxey, I thought he was going to be that guy, but he's been too inconsistent. And speaking of inconsistency, we don't have a we don't have consistent big men. If we're not going to shoot well, and that's another problem, we'd be terrible. One of the worst Cal teams as far as three-point shooting we hear every single year. Although this going is, into the year, you thought it was going to be different. Yeah. Well, we, we've heard for the past three years, yeah. this is the best three-point shooting team I've ever had. <laughs> this is the best shooting team I've ever had. Where's it at? <laughs> Where's it at, Cal? I mean – It was on the high school teams or AAU ball when they were we playing. We shooting 28% from the three-point line this year. We're like 117th. Yeah. Or actually, like all the way down, there's actually a lot more teams in basketball, Division One teams in basketball, yeah. or there's football. We're like in the, over in the 300s, almost dead last in three-point shooting. That's a problem. We don't have shooters. And we and if our shooting, it's okay if we can't shoot. You know, 
because mm-hmm. as long as our big men do well, well, when they're both doing well, you get what when we're we when we can't shoot and when our big men are sucking and being inconsistent, you get Evansville, you get Utah, and we went two for seven from the three point line against Utah. There's no reason that we should be going two for seventeen from the three point line when I know we have. We do have shooters on this team that can shoot it. We're just, whatever reason, we're not making them. We're 330th and third, three points, so just to let you know. Best uh, shooting team you've ever had, Cal. (laughs) And you're shooting 28% from the three-point line. At least our free throw shooting, Scott. Paulie, it's actually the best Cal team as far as free throw shooting. We're at at like 79 or 80%, which is pretty good. I, I think I think there's some um, things that um, he can do, you know. Like uh, if you look at like a U of L team, okay, who's top heavy. You know, they have one guy that scores a lot of points, and the other two are just kind of role. Other four, are yep, more role players. Uh, Kentucky's team is more balanced, I think, as far as scoring. Uh, would it, I would like it to be a you know someone to step up, like you said, but um, you know if if you play a team. And if you have good defense and you can shut down their best player, then that'll uh, bode well for for the game. And, you know, so when you go up against someone that's really good, like Louisville, who's got a really good, uh, you know, one player that kind of stands out, maybe the defense can help out a little bit where the offense is lacking. But like I said, this is one place that I think Kentucky's seen this before. We've seen the ups and downs and – and things like that. And I think this Louisville game is going to be a real important. This Louisville game will definitely be, if we're going to get better, this Louisville game beating Louisville tomorrow will be a good stepping point to getting that process of, you know, turning it around for going us. Going to SEC, too, that'll go ahead, Go into the SEC. Yeah. And the good thing is, like I said, our schedule doesn't, as far as the SEC is concerned, doesn't start getting tough until February. Yeah. So we have that whole month of January to try to get better. But, like I said, I'm just – I'm not so sure that we are going to get better. And it's concerning, and we'll definitely see. But another problem I see with us, and this is the last problem with them, get to football. We – what I've noticed um, by actually attending the games and what I've seen on TV, we get lost way too easily on defense, especially around the three-point shooting uh, line because people say, well, other teams are the other team's three point field goal percentage isn't that good. Well, that's true, but if you notice these other teams, what they're getting, it's a lot of wide open shots, they're just missing them. And if you come across the wrong team or come across a team that's can actually make the three point shooting and that can actually make it those shots, you're gonna get killed. And that's what we kind of got against Ohio State. Ohio State shoots the ball really well from the three-point line, and we struggle. We left them wide open. So that's another. That's the three basic problems I see for this Kentucky team: is we don't have a killer. We just our big men are not being consistent. And I am. And I really do think that. We can 
Um, I I do I think that Nick Richards. I am really happy with his improvement, but he's been great. I think he's gotten a lot better in his first two years. He we we haven't really we see kind of saw flashes of what he could do, but he's he's played a lot better than this year. But against Evansville, he was a no show. Against Utah, he was pretty much a no show. He only scored two points against Ohio State. Now. That a lot of that was because he was in foul trouble, but you need to be doing more than just getting two points a game. So again, our big men are not doing great, and especially EJ too. We he was a guy coming into the gear where you just say, well, we need him to play well. We need him to have that good jump from freshman to sophomore year, like PJ did. And EJ hasn't. He's had two good games. He had 16 and eight, and then the next game he had 25 and nine. Other than that, he has been pretty much a no show. And we, our defense, as far as the um, three-point shooting, defending, is we've been struggling a lot. But again, I do think you know we say this every single year. UK gets better. We know this, especially in the Cal era. Most of, majority of the time, they get better. But if if we can fix some of these things, and, I, and I've told you this before. I really do think if we can turn it on, we are definitely one of the top two teams in the country for sure. And we do have a lot of – we have a lot to – definitely have a lot to work on, but hopefully we do get better. And if – you know, Cal's era here will always – will forever go down in infamy. will always – be a, Cal's era will be a time where we – Always remember it. And if you think of someone, if you think of, I can think of no other thing than to write a book about Tom's here, or about Cal's time here. And the best way to go is Wayson Press. Wayson Press is a self-publishing book company. They've been around for over 20 years. They've had over 4,000 book titles, and that's a lot. And they make money from your book, not you. And there's really... Honestly, there's no other publishing company that can offer that. So if you want to find out more about their plans, about how you can get started with that, you can go to www.wastelandpress.net. You can request a publishing guide. You get it for free. They'll send it to you through the mail, and you can see all their little the details about what they do and about the different plans that they offer. Or you can actually contact them through their phone, of course, by contacting them at 502 Four three seven zero eight six zero. That's five zero two four three seven zero eight six zero. You call that, and Tim and then Wasteland Press will hook you up and give you all the information that you need to know about starting your book. The next segment, we're going to get to football, and it's been a crazy year for football this year. It's been a full full of ups and downs. I think a lot more ups and downs, but like I said, next segment, a lot of UK football, college football playoff, and much more. Welcome back, guys. Segment two of the Man Cave Sports Podcast. Tyler Goff and Tim Renfro here with you. And we're moving on to UK football. It's been a year that's really you can only mark it down as weird. It's been it's it's been quite the ride. And you have to give all the credit to really Mark Stoops and Eddie Grant and what they've been able to do this year. And I was listening to one of our episodes um when Terry Wilson got hurt. We had an old episode that was dedicated to him, 
And basically, he just predicted what was going to happen and what Kentucky was going to be able to do and what to expect. And one of the things that you said was, we're going to see how good of a coach Mark Stoops is. We just didn't think it was going to be with Lynn Bowden, our star wide receiver at quarterback. But it's still, yes, so it rings true. We saw how good Mark Stoops and also our offensive coordinator, Eddie Grant, could be. And I think it's a big deal because, you know, over the past couple years, Mark Stoops and Eddie Grant have been getting a lot of, you know, feedback from fans that a lot of negativity. And yet, I will agree, sometimes they are too conservative with the ball when they need to try to go out and score. Sometimes they are way too conservative. But you can argue this is the best run Kentucky football has ever had, if ever, or at least for a very long time. I agree. And you look at what they've been able to do this year. You go into the season expecting Terry Wilson to be your starting quarterback. You create a whole new offense. You know, last year it was give the ball to Benny Snell. Rightfully so. One of the best running backs Kentucky will probably ever have. And, well, this year the keys are with Terry Wilson. Or they were going to be with Terry Wilson. You create a whole offense around his style of play about how he plays the game. He gets hurt second game of the season. So, again, puzzle pieces are on the table. You have to figure out what you're going to do next. We had to, put the, of course, put the puzzle pieces together. And then, so you, Sawyer Smith, which for a first game starting in the SEC against four, an opponent like Florida, he played really good. But it hasn't been confirmed, but it's pretty much he fractured his wrist against Florida. And he tried to tough it out, and I will give him credit for that for trying to help out his team and win. But it was obvious he didn't need to be playing against Mississippi State, and it was really obvious he didn't need to be playing against South Carolina. And you could probably make the argument that he probably aggravated, made it worse by playing against Mississippi State. So that was really a low point for the season for Kentucky after losing to South Carolina. So, again, scrap Sawyer Smith. Puzzle pieces are on the table. Once again, what do you do? Put in Lynn Bowden, again, our star wide receiver at quarterback. Goes 5-2 and two, and one yard away against Tennessee from going 6-1. and one. And Lynn Bowden's a guy who has been, he's, he was a complete warrior for us this year. We don't go 7-5 if it wasn't for Lynn Bowden being our quarterback. And what he's been able to do, leading the team, despite taking over at, in the halfway mark of the season, led the, still led the team in receiving yards, led the team in rushing yards. Just only seven games, half the season, and already led the team in um, rushing yards. Led the team in punt return yards. Led the team in kick return yards. You look at what he's been able to done, and it's really one of the greatest seasons I think we've ever seen from a U.K. football player. What he's been able to do. And he'll hope... We've seen some legends in the past year or so, year and a half or so. With Josh Allen and Benny Snell. And Lynn Bowden's going to be one of those guys where he's just going to be immortalized as a legend for us and what he's been able to do. And I think, you know, we should appreciate him and what he's been, because, I mean, absolutely amazing. When when t- when a, opposing teams come in, they know what we're going to do, but we still rush up their mouths, up the gauntlet against these teams. Lynn Bowden had 100 yards, at least 100 yards rushing or more, Every single game besides one against Georgia, and he had 99 rushing yards against Georgia. You only needed one more yard. So you put that in the in the play, and 
Mark Stoops, I think we're so lucky to have him and that he didn't leave to take the Florida State job. I agree. And he and you Eddie Grand, you I think fans should be on their side now. And I think of what they what they've been able to do as far as recruiting and what they're what what they're planning for the future is really quite amazing. So what what did you think about this season? What did you think about Lynn Bowden and where do you think really I mean what where Kentucky can go from here? I think this was probably the best uh, coaching year of, of Stoops tenure at Kentucky. Oh, I agree. And that's and, I think this was a better coaching job than last year's. Well think about this, Tyler. Every all the adversity that he that the team has been through this year, and to come out with seven wins, I mean, is just remarkable to be. Think about the end of last year. You just beat Penn State, and you're like, you know what? I know what's coming. I know what we're gonna have next year. We're gonna be a little down on defense, but you know what I can do is I can develop a, a play system around my quarterback. And not only that, I can play to his strengths, I can play to his weaknesses. So I set up my offensive patterns, everything, offensive plays, everything surrounded um, around a certain type of player, and I can do really well with that. And then, you know, you're like, okay, and, you know, you're talking to, um, you know, several players, and you're like, you know, we're, we're going to do well next year. And then the next thing you know, uh, injury. And then you got a backup quarterback who um, you have very little experience with. You have them thrown around, and you know even a football practice. You know the backup quarterbacks kind of in the periphery. They're not there really doing a whole lot. I mean they warm up and things like that, but for the most part, you know you're uh, focusing on Terry or just you know just doing what you got to do. You know, and. Um, so basically, then there's an injury there, and then you know Lim Bowden comes in, and what do we know about Lim? What do I know about Lim Bowden? He's a great wide receiver. I know he played high school. Imagine the high school football team that he played for if he was a quarterback. Uh, but you know, so you you're thinking to yourself, okay, so I know this guy can play quarterback, but what do I know I mean, about him? Being a, I'm, I've told you this. I mean, being a high school quarterback is way different from being a college yeah. quarterback, especially in the SEC. The one thing we know is that he can create, you know, after catch, he can create yards and create And you things. get the best. He's Obviously, he's our best playmaker on the team. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you put the ball in his hands 100% of the time, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And he's going to do something with it. And I, I think considering uh, all the adversity that they've been through, the fact that they – uh, found their niche with him, and they were able to create an offense around him. Um, is like I said, uh, I think is definitely almost a small miracle. The fact that they're seven and five is a small miracle, and the fact is that we are a few points away from being seven and I mean being two or three losses is just amazing to me. That is so huge. I mean, we almost beat Florida. We should have beaten Florida. We should have beaten Tennessee. That's the thing. We should have, but I'm just saying that in itself, considering if you take Alabama, and I know they're going to a similar thing, you know, where they lose their first string, but imagine if they lost their second string, and then you go on to the third string. They're going to be hurting any team, any team. Any team. No matter how they are. Again, 
people will say, well, we should be expecting better than 7-5 and five each year. That's crazy. Well, well here's the That's thing. Insane. There's a lot of other teams I can think of that could, that wishes they could be a consistent I at least 7-5. I think if seven, you're 7-5, and five, okay, with no injuries this year, you're doing – I mean, it's an average season. With no Even with Terry Wilson on the team, yeah. people were, some people were expecting us to go 7-5. and five. Yeah. And so the fact that we got 7-5 and five with an injury to Terry and then also a second injury and uh, all the stuff that goes into creating the offense is amazing to me. And think about how far that defense has come this year. You know, I'm really looking forward to next year. I am too. I mean, and this defense. I, the first, I was, I was so worried. A big turnover, especially on defense. Yeah. About who uh, losing our best defensive player we've ever had in Josh Allen, and losing what we did. I was like, I'm so, I'm kind of worried, worried. And then our our best defensive back, Devontae Robinson, gets hurt out. You know, he injured his quad and he's out for the rest of the year. I was like, well, I, I'm even more worried. I was like, damn, I, I think I'm. If you be if you lose to Virginia Tech in the uh, Belk Bowl, I don't, I don't I still think it's a it's a successful year, yeah. you know. And um, like last year we were playing Penn State, we we're like wow, you know. I mean we could have done better than that, but at the same time I was like, hey, this is really cool. We're we're playing against an elite team with a rich history. Yes, and we beat them, mm-hmm. and it's great. And this year. I think the fact that we're at the finish line and we're in a bowl period, because technically we could be flushed down the toilet like, you know, uh, a lot of lower level SEC teams. I mean, because you know, you take out your first uh, two, string, two strings of, of quarterback, you you are a lower <laughs> SEC team at that point. But you know, we just we put it together. I think, uh, you know, this this is a defining moment for Stoops' career here at Kentucky. And um, and I think next year, uh, knowing that we, what we know now um, is looks really bright. I mean, there's still some questions about it, but at the same time, I think we're definitely in a catbird seat. We're we're looking to improve, and ultimately, what our goal is, and we talked about this, is to beat Georgia. That's and, that's the next goal. We beat Florida. Yeah. Should we have beaten them again this year? Yes. Yeah. But. We've beaten Florida. We've gotten that mental block out of the way. And Vince Merrill said before the season started, he went on the radio, he said, our next step is beating Georgia. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think that we're that far off. No, I don't I think mean, so. And again, either. I'm going to go back to the defense and give them credit. Every single week, they got better. They, they had that first couple weeks where they had to figure everything out, where they kind of got killed on, on the passing. But other than that, I mean, we got better mm-hmm. every single week. One, we took it one game at a time. The defense took it one game at a time. And they got better. And I think you have a lot of young guys who are going to be back again. We're not losing a lot. We're losing Cash Daniel, which you could make the argument. He was kind of a liability for us this year. I love the man. I love Cash Daniel, but he wasn't that good for us this year. And we're losing Jordan Griffin, and we're losing uh, two of our biggest defensive linemen, and Calvin Taylor and... What was the other? I can't think of his name. Calvin Taylor and uh, I'll, I'll think of it later. But you lose those. You lose those two guys and T.J. Carter. That's who, that's who I was thinking of. But you lose those two guys. That's really all you're losing. You're losing those guys, and you have a bunch of young guys, and you have these freshmen, all these defensive freshmen who are able to redshirt, and you got a ton of guys coming in next year and as well. A huge improvement in the secondary this year too. 
considering where we started out and where we're at. And we're uh, getting Devontae Robinson back yeah. from injury. I mean, this defense is going to be really good. And it's probably going to be, in the years to come, one of the best defensive groups who we might ever have. I mean, this is – I mean – what do you need to be able to compete in the SEC? You got to be able to be gritty. You got to be able to fight in the trenches. We are with what we've done with recruiting, and I do want to talk about recruiting and our rankings and how freaking good we are doing and what where we are. But you look at our recruiting. You look at how we are. We're reloading on a smaller scale. We're not reloading quite like Clemson can. We're not reloading quite like Alabama can. But we. Yes, we're losing our defensive linemen and we're losing offensive linemen too. But with recruiting and with returning guys, it's like, you know, it's okay. We can bring in this new set of guys who are just as good, if not better. And this the defensive linemen, I mean, we got players returning. The recruits are coming in. I mean, it's, it's remarkable to me that we were able to redshirt all these freshmen from last year, this year's team. And that... You know, teams. You know, teams that redshirt their all their freshmen. Alabama. Yep. So we're getting again. I think it's just smaller scale reloading. I don't know if you've had that same. If you feel the same way, I feel like it's smaller scale reloading where we are building a program that's not only sustainable but it's moving up. Yeah. As far as the tier in the SEC, we're not quite there yet, but we we are especially. And, yeah. and especially when in the East, Missouri, I mean, they got in that one year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying we are definitely not that far off from competing in the SEC championship. The only thing is we have to keep up with recruiting. That's the only thing. And we, we, we got to be able to stay recruiting. And also, I forget to mention from defense, from defense next year, we're getting a transfer next year from LSU who will be eligible to play, eligible to play. A defensive back who is highly touted. He's going to be probably starting first next year. <laughs> we don't get guys, especially transfers from LSU, who probably before he committed to LSU had offers from everybody. Yeah. You get Joey Gatewood, who, you know, he was at Auburn, but before he committed to Auburn, had recruits or he had offers from all the top programs in the nation. Committed to Kentucky, transferring to Kentucky, who after next year, I'm assuming, I'm you know going based off this, assuming that he probably won't be able to get a waiver to play next year. He's going to be, I don't think people realize the magnitude of getting him, of getting Joey Gatewood and what he means. People are saying is basically, I don't know if he's going to be, obviously this, you can't count your chickens before they hatch, but people are saying that he's, Kind of like Cam Newton. He's a big 6'5", 233. He is a big, big fella. And you look at, uh, he was a four-star. Again, had offers from everybody. The fact that he he visited us twice and decided to transfer here, he's going to be our guy. And once, he be able to, once he's finally eligible for us, he'll have two years. And I'll be willing to bet that those two years are going to be fun. And he's, I'm just, I think he's a game changer for us. And do you remember how excited it was when I found out that he was transferring here? Yeah, yeah. I called you right up and told you. <laughs> I was like, you know, yeah. this was already a process of 
a longer process of, you know, being able to overtake Georgia and playing in, in Atlanta in the SEC championship game. Getting Joey Gatewood shortens that process. That's how good I think he is. Now, here's the thing about Joey Gatewood. The one thing you can say about the Stoops era is we have not had an elite caliber quarterback. People thought it's always it's been kind of like these under the radar guys. Like Terry Wilson, he was a kind of an under radar guy. Like he he came in as he was a JUCO player, and he, but I love Terry, but he's not elite. Steven Johnson was under the radar. We expected Drew Barker to be the guy for us. He was highly touted. He committed to Kentucky. Again, we expected him to be the guy for us. Turned out to be a total bust. But again, Steven Johnson was under radar. Point is, we haven't had an elite caliber quarterback. And the problem, a, a, a question is, can Stoops develop and can Stoops work with an elite caliber quarterback like Joey Gatewood? That will be the question going forward once he's fully eligible. And what you get with Joey Gatewood is a combination of, 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 of a good arm and running ability. And I think that's gonna I think he fits well with Kentucky, the, the type of offense that Mark Stoops wants to run here. I think he's a perfect quarterback for that. So you look in the and that's the only and I think one of the things that was holding Kentucky back from moving to that next tier is having a weak quarterback. We've had good quarterbacks that get the job done, get you seven to eight wins a year. But you get you get guys like Joey like Joey Gatewood, maybe you win a lot more. And get if you keep getting elite quarterbacks, that's how you build you know, can keep building it up. And we just again, one of the reasons that we haven't been able to get over that hump is we just haven't had an elite quarterback. With Joey Gatewood, Joey Gatewood, I think that changes. And you also look at recruiting who we who we're getting. Bo Allen who's a four-star from Kentucky, who right in the backyard played for Lexington Catholic. He's good. And I think after Joey Gatewood, Joey Gatewood, obviously, when he's eligible, he it's hard. It's going to be hard for him not to not start him. I mean, don't you think? I mean, yeah. it's pretty safe to assume that Joey Gatewood's probably going to be the starter after next year. But after that, you still got a couple years of Bo Allen. You get that four-year stretch of going from Joey Gatewood to Bo Allen with – as long as Bo Allen works out, you get four straight years of good quality quarterback play. I'm just saying, I'm I don't think it's crazy to say that in the next three years, three to four years, we're going to be in the SEC championship game. That's I don't I I, I don't I don't think it's crazy to say that anymore. And I told you this before, going in the Georgia game before, even last year when we went ten and three, I was like, oh, going against I was <laughs> I was Georgia, Jesus Christ. But now I'm going into it, I'm thinking. I'm not scared, and I'm still, you know, Georgia. They're still recruiting at a high level. They're still Georgia. But I'm not going into it anymore thinking, damn, we're going to get beat, obviously. I'm going – I'm from straight forward here on out. I'm I'm thinking to myself, I, I have the most confidence, and I think, you know, I think it's going to be a close game. I mean, I don't go look into Georgia's eyes anymore and think that's going to be a tough game or that's going to be – it's gonna be a tough game to win. I just don't think it's gonna be a a a an automatic loss anymore. Where I think we have a chance to win from here on out. Even at Georgia. 
So you put in all these factors, and I think fans should be really excited about years. I mean, this Kentucky football program and what what they're doing, because I mean, it's really. I mean, I never thought Kentucky would be able to recruit at this level, and what they're doing. Uh, right now on the recruiting rankings, they're twenty third. They're twelfth in the uh, actually twelfth. Uh, if you look at their average star rating, they're twelfth in the country, tied with Tennessee. I mean, did you ever think you'd see a day where Kentucky's recruiting at this level and yeah. producing talent at the what they've been able to do developing? That's what he's been really good at. Mark Stoops is developing these guys. You take Josh Allen, who's this two star who had offers from Kentucky and Monmouth. You know, chose Kentucky obviously, turned him into a beast. Yeah, and now he's. Um, Killing it in Jacksonville in the NFL. You look at all these factors, and I mean, it's if you look at any team in the SEC and you think, well, they're they're if you, I mean, I'm just again, I just I don't think it's crazy to say it. Is they think, hey, Kentucky, well, watch out for them. There's there might there good chance they're going to be in the SEC championship game soon, in the next three four years. I mean, especially if Joey Gatewood works out and he's. As elite as everyone thinks he is, as a, as elite I think as he is, it's gonna be fun, and I really do think it's we the it's in our grasp. We just we have got to take it, and you look at the again we're recruiting at a high level, and getting all these highly touted really good recruits, you gotta you gotta win more than seven games a year now, yeah. or maybe maybe that's being too harsh. I mean, let me put it this way. I mean, let me. State of basketball question. no injuries. Barring no injuries, let me ask you a, a question. With what we're doing with recruiting and the, the type of people, the players that we're getting, do the expectations have to raise a little bit? Don't you think it's just, if you look at the talent that we have, and we have a season where we go 6-6, six and six, I think that's kind of disappointing. Yeah, Even I, with I the definitely type think of, after this year. The expectations, I feel like, have to be raised at least a little bit, don't yeah, you think? From this year, especially, considering what the injury and all of that. So, I definitely think that um, you know a, a good sweet spot would probably be eight and four and above. Like you know? here, here on out. Yeah, I mean eight and four and above. Yeah, I really do think that's uh, where and, where and, Kentucky's and getting assuming, to. Assuming you know, like I said, we got to be reasonable. Barring injuries, barring, barring injuries any things crazy like that, things happening. Yeah. And and a crazy schedule too, you know. If you never know. LSU, Alabama. And <laughs> we always play a team from the SEC West, yeah. and you know this I year. I wish we played them more. You know, I I really do, and and uh, but because you get more airtime and things like that, and and uh, but you know I I'm happy with Georgia. You know, we play Georgia every year. Um, that that's an important game, and um, I I definitely think, and you know, to tie into what you're saying. The thing I think is going to – I don't think you're overlooking it, but I think it's important to consider is their defense. If their defense keeps progressing and it keeps – and it stays good, um, I think ultimately what beats Georgia is a good defense. Georgia's going to get theirs. They got elite running backs, you know, and they they always have really good running backs on their team. If we can shut down a, a running back, we have more than a, a good chance of winning the game. And that's ultimately what, what's keeping us from getting Georgia each year is the defense. 
And, uh, you know, we, with the Snell year, you know, we were like, yeah, we, we got a chance here, you know, but at the same time, you know, it really showed the difference between a, an NFL caliber type of running back going up against our defense. And obviously that, I mean, we saw last year when we played Georgia with our, you know, one of our best teams ever. I mean, there's all, we still saw it a talent gap, yeah. but that gap is Closing. It's narrowing. It's, yes. it's narrowing for and sure. And I think, you know, like I said, considering that we stepped up in recruiting, because the recruiting's much better now than what it was, you know, just a few years back. So, you know, we're, we're a few years back, we're kind of making the best, you know, like you said, we're making the best out of two stars and three stars and four stars. Now, imagine you know, what he's going to be doing with a consistent, consistent load of four star and then five stars on top of that. And uh, you know it's it's gonna be getting two to three years of these guys yeah. too as while we're at it, and and a lot of and some of it has to do with belief too. You know, still there's a lot of misinformation out there that Kentucky's not that good. They're overlooked, and, and you know what? I'm not I'm not saying they're correct, but I kind of understand. You know, you still have teams like Nebraska that think they're great, and they're not. And the reason Tennessee. they think they're great is because of the history of the game. Tennessee's finally starting to put something together. And well, we have to see for that. Well, I know, but it's a miracle that the coach hasn't gotten fired yet. Yep. You know, and and but I mean, they're finally starting to recruit better. You know, we talked about that. You know, they're 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 putting things together. Not to go too much in Tennessee because I can't stand them. But uh, I can't. I can't either. <laughs> but you know, it's the same thing for Kentucky. Our fans need to understand that we're going to have good years from here on out barring different things and when it does happen we got to be understanding we got to say you know what Stoops a great coach we can't second guess him you know uh, injuries happen things like that can he does he play a little too conservative probably but at the same time I I think I'd rather have in the, in the in the college game I'd rather have a conservative coach than a crazy coach and uh so you know I'll take that but, uh, I mean, I mean, like I said, I just you go back. I never thought Kentucky would get to this point where you're thinking, "Wow, we have, we might have a consistent shot of being it's weird. have a chance for the SEC it's championship weird. game." I mean, you think yeah. we have a chance of being a a, a two sport school? I mean, just think about that. There's not a lot of schools that can pull that off, mm-hmm. but we have the infrastructure to do it. We have the facilities to do it. And as I think we had the coaches to do it, obviously with Cal and with Stoops. I think he's going to be these. I I just think for football, we're in for fun years ahead. I, so, I mean, it, I'm excited about Joey Gatewood. I mean, like I said, the first thing I did when I found out that he was transferring here, I called you. Yeah. No, it was a big deal. And it, it is a big deal, and people need to see that. I mean, realize that. Getting the guy from LSU, who's going to be a big part of our defense for the next couple of years. I mean, what? I mean, it's just. I mean, I, as a fan, you ha- you can't be disappointed. I'm sorry. I mean, you can't – if you're disappointed after this and if you're still bad on stoops after what he's been able to do as far as recruiting, I mean, I mean, I just – I mean, I don't know what's wrong with you. I mean, honestly, I mean, this is a time where – It's obviously somebody that's never kept up with Kentucky football ever to think that way. You know, I mean, to, to think where we were 20, 30 years ago and where we are Heck, today. where we were seven years ago. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't I even mean, have to Stoops go first, first, <laughs> Stoops' first year here, he went 2-10. and 10. 
But I mean, and now you know, you're in the top twenty-five in recruiting. Yeah, where you actually have a generation of people that could actually expect Kentucky to win every year. That's insane to me, because it's been the exact opposite for the longest time. I mean, we've had years where we've had two years in a row where we're good, yeah. but then then we start to go downhill again. This is a again with recruiting. This is we are building a program that's, that's sustainable. Missouri. Missouri does that too. You know, and, and that's sort of. How I'm just. I think we're gonna. I think so we're gonna. Consistency I think consistency is important. It is. It's very important. I just think we're gonna. We're with recruiting and with all the players we have for returning back. We're building a program that's sustainable that we can continue to keep doing as long as recruiting stays at the level that we are. Every single year, we're gonna be able to reload. Not maybe not quite at the level as Alabama or Clemson, like again smaller scale, but we are building that program where every single year. We're expecting eight wins or more. Or, you know, can you imagine where our fans are saying Alabama doesn't want to play us because they're scared of us? You know, and and that would be a really nice thing to happen because, you know, we haven't played Alabama in the longest time. And, uh, you know, so it, I, I really think it's important for us to play uh, really elite Western teams too. As well as Georgia. I would like to play him. I don't know if this is for your reasons or the same, but I like to play him just to see where we are. Oh, absolutely, that too. But I think if you're on to national television, if you're playing Alabama or LSU, and Alabama's number one, LSU's number one, whatever, and you're playing them on national television, you give them a scare, or maybe even beat them. Okay, that's huge. That's huge. You know, and and I think that's part of it. The, the thing with Kentucky right now is visibility. We don't have the visibility that we should, considering how well we've played. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of articles written about other than locally about Kentucky and the miracle season that we've had. And it is a miracle season considering all the trouble we've been through and considering how close we are to having a really stellar season, just as good as the year before. You know, nine and three. Yeah, we're just and, a couple and, games away. Yeah, so and you know we got to press nine and three. We should get to press a seven and five because of all the injuries. We're not getting that. But with that said, that's part of the game. That's part of it. You got to punch hole, punch a hole through the ceiling, and and get get out there. And I think one way to doing that is having a really good season, and then pressuring at the Bamas and LSU to play us the next year and the year after and things like that. So we can, you know, like I said, the measuring stick, but at the same time getting our um, getting our team in the national spotlight where we can recruit things. You know, we're not that far off from Clemson was. Okay, we're really not. Clemson was always at the ceiling trying to punch its way through. It punched through, and they've been good <laughs> they since. Have, I mean, they have definitely. Yeah. You know, and then you see a team like Florida State, who was great for the longest time, and they're falling back, you know. So it can go both ways. What I want to do is we, I, I like the fact that Stoops were, were slowly progressing. We're not going phew, Shooting up and then falling down. Yeah, we're not doing. Oh, that. I'd rather, I'd much rather have a slower progression. And it's it's been a progression ever since he's gotten here. Like I said, he went two and ten his first year. Yeah. It, ever since ever since that, it's I been nothing any, but improvement. Any true Kentucky fan, I, I don't want to get elitist like that, but I mean, 
any, anybody that's been around for a while that says that Stoops is not a good coach. Even being a consistent 7-5 win team, again, what I was saying earlier, there's a lot of teams that wish they can be winning seven, at least seven games a year. There's a lot of teams that they that wish they could have that type of success. And this last four year stretch, I mean, you could again, you could argue it's the best stretch that Kentucky's had in a long time, mm-hmm. but if not ever. Yeah. I. Can I, argue with that. I mean, I mean, I mean, I I do want to look at Kentucky's schedule for next year. I think even then, we're only we could possibly be looking at nine and three again. Yeah. I, I'm just I'm just saying, and don't get me wrong, our schedule gets a lot tough next year, but. With the talent that we have coming in, especially recruiting, with the guys we have coming back, um, we get Terry Wilson back. Hopefully, he might not be quite at the same level as he was, but maybe he gets, maybe, I mean, more of a passing game. Every team we play next year will not overlook us, except maybe Georgia. Okay. Okay, so our schedule for next year, we play Eastern Michigan, first game of the season. We should play them a lot. We should, <laughs> we do. Yeah. But we should win. Yeah. Then we play Florida at Florida, mm-hmm. which it, we, let's just say we go one and one to start okay. the season. That's I mean I'm not. We're not. We're just it's assuming Florida. It's Florida. Yeah. Then you play Kent State. We should we should beat them. I think they made a bowl game this year, but we should beat Kent State. I think we're at the level where we should be definitely being handling them. Then we play South Carolina, which you know what this year kind of sucked, but we've Mark Stoops era here. We've had their number. I feel like and South Carolina's not a shabby team either. I mean, no, they're not. But I, again, I feel like we should be able to we can beat yeah, South Carolina yeah. consistently every single year. Then we play at Auburn. You know, Auburn is that can be tough, especially on the road. So let's just say, for sake of argument, we're three and two start the season. Then we play Eastern Illinois, which there I think they're an FCS team. I don't even think they're Division One. So we start the season four and two. Vanderbilt, we should win that one. Five and two. Then we put we have a bye week, and then we play Tennessee. Which that can go that can go either can way. Go either way. Class, yeah. But again, that's it's a winnable game. Then we play Mississippi State, which we should be beating Mississippi State. Then we play Georgia, and then we play Louisville. You look at those. You look at that stretch of games. The only losses that you might not they're the, they're not guaranteed, but you, the losses that you, you can definitely see that are there: Florida, Auburn, Georgia. That's it. Other uh, other games. Either are definitely winnable or it's a toss up. Yeah, I mean, it's just I think we're gonna have a, we can have a really successful season next year, especially getting Terry Wilson back. Even even if Terry Wilson struggles, we're not gonna have the same problem we did with quarterbacks this year. We have six quarterbacks on the roster next year, six. So even if Terry Wilson doesn't work out, we have other guys that can try to step in and prove themselves. So I am, I'm excited about next year too. Even though the schedule does get tougher, I mean it's it's I'm insane. It's just not crazy to say that we could go at the at the very worst we lose to Tennessee we go eight and four. Yeah. <laughs> it's right there for the taking. That's that's another thing you have to talk about. 
it's right there. That going up, go moving up, continue to move up tier by tier. It's we have to take it. And again, with recruiting, with the type of guys that we're getting, we have to start winning these games. We have to start beating Tennessee. We have to be able to start being forward on a consistent level. Maybe not every single year, but not a stretch where they're beating us t- 10, 15 years in a row. Yeah. yeah. Or 30 years <laughs> like it was before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it shouldn't be like that anymore. We should be able to consistently beat these guys, aside from not being able to maybe the Alabamas and LSUs because I don't, you know, we're still not on that level yet. I don't know if we'll ever get there, but we're, we're you know, we're not there yet. But we're getting awfully close to that next level that's with the almost the best of them. And we, this is a time in Kentucky football where I think if you're looking 20 years in the future, even 30, 20 or 30 years in the future, you mean tell you, telling your grandkids, telling your kids, I mean, this is the best set of Kentucky football, um, the best set of players, the best set of teams that the program's ever seen. I mean, it's 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 really quite amazing what Mark Stoops has been able to build here. And they could have, Kentucky could have easily fired him after those first two years. Could have easily fired him. But they didn't. They gave him time. And now you see where they are and where they're projecting to be. That It, it just goes to show you what patience can do with a coach. Because you, you see the NFL, you see with even basketball. You see how quickly teams are just ready to pull the trigger when a coach is not doing well. And you can see this year, I mean, especially you see it with Mark Stoops, you see the value of giving a coach time to recruit and develop his players. And Mark Stoops, with a really fantastic staff at his, at his, at his waist, I mean, it's just really, you look at it, and it's, it's remarkable what he's been able to do. And again, you see the value of giving patience to a coach. And that's the thing about Louisville and with Satterfield. Louisville's high peak, if you look at recent years, was Lamar winning a Heisman. But even that season, they went 9-3, and three and they still struggled towards the later season. You look at Charlie Strong, they won a Sugar Bowl against Florida. And to get back to that Louisville Louisville has a lot of work to do. And granted, I wasn't expecting him to pull off seven wins this year. I was I said at the very best they're not gonna win they're gonna win three games. Maybe four. But Louisville is really I mean, honestly, they've they've turned it around. But you we demolished them forty five to thirteen. And their offense has been really potent this year. Their offense has been great this year. But what that's done is similar to what Lamar Jackson did, except this year's Louisville team, this offense wasn't as prolific. But what Lamar did for his team was overshadowed and was able to cover that the, how bad the defense was. And then you look at this year, their offense was able to cover for the majority of the games, was able to gloss over how bad their defense was. So for going back to patience, I mean, for Coach Satterfield, you have, I mean, if you're a Louisville, if you're a Louisville fan, if you're the 
the the AD athletic director there, give them time. And I'm sure within years, he'll. I mean, if you give them time, you'll be able to. I don't know if it's going to be where you're recruiting quite as how how good at Kentucky is, but you might be able to get closer to where you were if you give them patience. But again, going back to Kentucky, they gave Stoops patience, and it's. I mean, it's. I'm excited to see where this program's going, and yeah, I mean. You've had a lot more time watching football than I have. You have a lot more years on me, and I still have a lot more time to catch up on as far as years watching it. But, I mean, I just. I think you got the gist of Kentucky football before <laughs> before things got better. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> it's just the only thing you can say is remarkable. I mean, it's, I mean, uh, very exciting, I think, and be pre- I'm just saying, be prepared to root for Kentucky in the SEC championship game, even even though we might lose, just to be in that level. I mean, even last year we were one game away, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving the recruiting. I'm loving what we're doing, and you know, it's up for Kentucky. We, as fans, and this is the last thing I'll say before moving on to the college football playoff. We as fans have got to stay on board. There might be a time where we, you know, where Kentucky might screw up in football. There might be a couple of plays where we just screw up. But with the lows, we've got to be able to. You know, we might we'll be high on them when everything's going good. But when things, if there's a troubling time, we've also got to be with them, and we've also got to be supportive of them and be able to. Pack still pack Kroger Field whenever there's a home game, and be sixty thousand plus every single game. So, yeah. Again, for Kentucky football, be very excited. So, for college the college football playoff, I think it's going to be an interesting one this year. You got LSU versus Oklahoma, and you got Ohio State versus versus Clemson, and LSU. I'm I'm just going to go ahead and say this: one of the best teams I've I've seen in recent years. As you look at what they've been able to do, um, a brand new offense, the likes that LSU's a type of offense that LSU's never seen before, where it's like a air raid. And Joe Burrow, man, he's been absolutely amazing this year. Forty eight touchdowns, only six interceptions, Heisman winner. The dude's been a stud for them, and he'll probably be a number one pick to my, hopefully to my Cincinnati Bengals, and hopefully try to they change around, it. hopefully try to change around the program or not the program the professional team and with the Bengals so anyways LSU Oklahoma uh you start off with you what your thoughts about it and then I'll kind of give my opinion about it I, I as far as LSU Oklahoma I think uh LSU barring uh their quarterback breaking in half in the game they should win it pretty handily I give them about a 21 point win on that I think it's going to be very similar to LSU um you know, taking on someone like Georgia or something like that. You know, it's something that it's really going to stand through. You know, maybe a little, the first, you know, the first quarter, uh, the first half will be a little bit rusty. And then after that, then, you know, it should be pretty good, I think. It, uh... Yeah, I, I definitely, my opinion about this LSU-Oklahoma game is kind of how I felt about LSU-Georgia. Yeah. I, I, 
when it was LSU when they played Georgia, I was like, either one or two things going to happen, either Georgia's defense, either it's going to be Georgia's defense is going to have to stop them, they're just going to have to be able to outscore them, and. I just didn't think Georgia had to had the offense. Yeah, to I didn't think it. you're going to have to have the Oklahoma. You're going to have to be able to win. You're going to have to be able to again. I mean, it's either it's going to be close or LSU is going to kill you with their yeah, offense. I don't even think That's it. how I felt about LSU Georgia. I, I would be shocked if Oklahoma stayed in this game at, at any point. That's just. I mean, again, that's how I feel about in LSU Oklahoma. Is I just I feel like either it's going to be a shootout or LSU's is going to run all over them. Yeah. Because again, LSU's offense is just a machine that keeps going. They keep coming at you, and it's one of the best offenses I've seen. And Joe Burrow's in recent years one of the best quarterbacks I've seen in a while. So I definitely think, I think I think LSU pulls that one out this weekend. I I really do, and not that's not to. Be negative towards Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is a really good team. I think Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback. I think he'll get picked in the draft, and I think their offense is a force to be reckoned with as well. But I, I think LSU is. I think I think LSU is just better all around. And I don't think LSU. I mean, they're not playing deep, great defenses out in the Big Twelve. No, they're not. So they they've been shootouts too. And, yeah, a lot of the games. Right. And LSU, an while their defense hasn't been good as past years, it's an SEC defense. Yeah. So I just think I don't think Oklahoma. I just don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think I think the LSU's defense will be able to get a couple stops on it. That, that's what that's. And what I, I, I don't think too. I don't think Oklahoma's defense is I mean, going to be able to stop. I mean, you had Baylor them. scored thirty-one points against them. Uh, you had Kansas State beat them by scoring forty-eight points. That's their only loss. Um, you know, you have a lot of teams that that are really putting up points against Oklahoma, and that's that's what the Illinois is going to do do them in because I think LSU shuts them down a few times and uh, disrupts their offensive flow and their patterns and everything, and I think LSU ultimately wins this pretty easily. And um, you know, the, I I think for me the game that intrigues me the most in the playoffs, in the, the, at least the first tier playoff, is. Uh, is you know the the ACC um, Ohio Clemson State versus- and Ohio State because they they're really ACC has been really down this year. Clemson's still the offensive juggernaut, but how much offensive juggernaut that is, we don't know. And you got Ohio State, who is a tough, gritty team that might give Clemson a lot of problems in a lot of areas. I do think and. Uh, Ohio State has this defensive guy named Chase, Chase Young, who's a monster on defense, and I think he can cause I, a block. I was amazed by how much he affected. He has seventeen games. sacks. Yeah, I mean what he's been able to do on defense. <coughs> I mean, I just think LSU's. I think LSU. I mean, I think Ohio State will be able to give Clemson a lot of problems. Now, Clemson played Ohio State in the playoff before. Yeah, and that was I can't remember how long it was but, ago, maybe okay. about three years ago. But I mean. This Ohio State team this year is a hell of a lot better than that Ohio State team before. And you got a team, Ohio State, who's played Wisconsin twice, Penn State, Michigan. uh, Ohio State pointed. Ohio State's been battle tested. Yes, I don't think Clemson has. This is all at the end of the year. Again, Clemson is what they are. They're elite, but they haven't played the type of players that or the type of teams that Ohio State has. This is all at the end of the year too, and Clemson. 
had pretty much an easy way to go. Now, that's not to say that Clemson can't win. Clemson's actually favored by two points in this game. I think that's a mistake. I think I would give Ohio State a, a probably a field goal over Clemson in this game. Uh, initially, you know. but Not to like mention, said, Ohio Clemson State's came, quarterback, too, Justin Fields, mm-hmm. has been – he's only thrown one interception. So this know, whole year, so he's been a good, he's been a great quarterback. The most for them. points have ever been scored against uh, Ohio State was actually Michigan. They scored twenty-seven points, but it was fifty-six to twenty-seven. So it's sort of like okay, they they let off the gas a little bit defensively, right? But uh, any any time they played an elite team, uh, not to say Michigan is not an elite team, but someone like Wisconsin. You know, they hold them to seven points and 17 points. So they're they're shutting them down, and then they're scoring at the same time. I just think Ohio State... And Ohio um, State's running backs are good, too. Yes, they're a very balanced team. Very balanced. I think if I'm LSU, I think I want to play Clemson more than I do Ohio State. Uh, But that's not to say that Clemson's not good. We don't know. Clemson hasn't really played anybody. Mm -hmm. The uh, elite-wise, you know, the ACC's been a uh, cream puff this year. If Louisville didn't prove that, I don't know what did, you know, because Louisville got crushed. I mean, by that's. SEC. I mean, if you look at anything from this Louisville year, I mean, again, don't get me wrong, they've they've improved, but it's just go how bad the ACC was this yeah, year. It was it was really down, and and that's not to knock what Clemson's accomplished, but I think Clemson has definitely had an easier goal this year than they have had in previous years in the ACC. But, uh, and, you know, that was it North Carolina scared the bejeebus out of them. It was North Carolina where they barely Yep, North won. Carolina. And, uh, but, you know, for the most part, uh, all their games have been just complete offensive, offensive crushing. They've not faced anybody with any type of defense that shut them down other than maybe South Carolina. They scored 38 points against South Carolina. Well, you know, we know about South Carolina. That is not that is not Ohio State or LSU caliber kind of football. And so, you know, it ought to be interesting to see uh, what happens and, uh, you know, and how, how things proceed from here because um, I, I definitely think that Ohio State has has a chip on their shoulder too, so you know a little. I bit think of Clemson does too. Yeah, Clemson does too. You're right, but uh, especially not getting them respected as far as returning champions, you know. So, uh, but you know it, it, that's just the way it goes. You know, uh, the fact that you're there, you should be happy, and and then we'll see what happens. I. Like I said, my dream matchup is Ohio State versus LSU. I that think that's is my, that's game. mine too. Yeah. I'm actually, you know what? I would I don't want to see Clemson in another national championship game, but same thing with I, I want to see no I, I want to see LSU versus Clemson. Yeah, I'd really Something like different. to see. I'd really like to see how that would work out. Yeah, and I, I definitely think uh, you know uh, we talked a little bit. And I don't want to get too much into this, but I definitely think that uh, this year could have been a disaster for the uh, playoff system. It worked out in the end, I think. Uh, but, you know... I'm still a big advocate for the 18 playoff. I am, too. Big advocate. And I was kind of... You know, we talked about this. I was kind of hoping that the disaster would force that, you know, where you had all these undefeated teams at the top and someone gets the wrong end of the stick there. 
But that, unfortunately, uh, with injuries with I Alabama and right. things like that, it I just didn't think work an eighteen out. playoff. I mean, I just think, I think you know, there's a lot of fan bases. You know, like like give an example. Like yeah, last year with UCF fans were like, put in UCF to be in the playoff, and I was like, no. Yeah. But, I mean, if you put a team like UCF last year and they're number eight, then yeah, I'm for that, because at least they'll get a shot. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just. It'll solve a lot of the pro- issues that fans have, and the teams won't get overlooked for the yeah. fourteen. You know, there's a lot of teams that would get overlooked with the fourteen playoff. But I think if really, I really do think if you add a an eight team playoff, I think that solves the issue of fans not being mad anymore. And you can't say, well, um, well, that team deserves to be in. Why would you put that team over the other? When they've had, well, they've let, let's better. use a hypothetical. Let's say that Minnesota only loses one game, okay? And you know how good of a season they had. If they only lost one game, wow! Imagine if they got in. I'd be scared to play in them, you know, because they played they played really well. And then you got the secondary, you know, Georgia. Uh, although I don't think Georgia was any would be any threat to LSU, but they certainly would be a threat to other teams in the playoffs. That, that they could, you know, give a lot of trouble to. And then by some miracle, Georgia gets through and LSU doesn't, you know. So there's a lot of hypotheticals there. I definitely think that um, adding an extra game to the schedule and somehow working that out where they can do that, an eight game, I, I don't think anybody can complain now. Then I mean, I'm sure there will be people that complain, but – you know, I think that sweeps all the really kind of league teams in there. You get Penn State's every year, Notre Dame, holy crap. You know, um, you get a lot of teams in there that... It's just a, a 19 playoff also, I mean, think about it, it just offers a lot of variety. Yeah. I mean, with the, the problem is... You imagine a Texas... In in a in the playoffs, let's say they get eight, you know. Yeah. They, uh, the thing with the college football is... The same teams that are elite are always going to be elite. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Like the first, the usually the top ten are usually all the same, but especially the top four is usually that top four, top five, maybe six. Those are usually all the same. But if you add the eight, it just adds a more variety to the to the mix where there's just different teams that haven't been in there. And then someone who has a miracle year like UCF can get yeah. in. You know, and, you get a team like a a team uh, a team that's on the up like Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> give them a ch- I mean, give them a chance. I mean, I mean, again, I just think an eight team playoff would just it would just it would just make everyone happy. Yeah, like I, said, I, I think I don't want to get too much into the tangent on that, but I I definitely think it's something that uh, you know we it should be looked into. Um, you know, I like the SEC championship, but it's been a pretty downer. For a while, I mean, the the West has dominated it. There's you know? a lot of in in order to have an eight team playoff, you probably have to eliminate one game. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of teams that play FCS teams there, and then they oh, yeah. are just pointless. Just pointless. And you're absolutely right. Uh, Alabama, oh man, they got a couple stinkers on. Last their year they played their FCS team, the Citadel. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and, I'm just saying you can. I'm pretty sure you can take away that game; it'll be just yeah. fine. With all those Citadel fans, it's not. It's not I mean, it's not gonna make a difference on how I, good you are. It's yeah. not gonna show you anything about how good or bad you are. 
I mean, it's unless sort of you, like I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, if you lose to one of those teams, obviously you see that you're probably yeah. bad. But I mean, at the end of the day, you, you can take away those FCS teams, and and you'll be just fine. Yeah. You know, I I definitely think I definitely think it's it it can be worked out. Anything above that, you know, eight eight's a sweet spot. Or you could just cut out the championship games and just combine the conference, like combine the. The, the whole yeah instead of having an east or west in the east just combine them same thing with the others the I think Pac twelve is that way and uh, the ACC well, I, is I know too the, as well the people that are involved with the conferences would have a huge problem with that but especially the sponsors yeah, too I, I definitely think you keep the championships the conference championships uh, you get rid of uh, one of the lowly schedules eleven games versus twelve that's not that big of a deal and then. Um, you know, wow, it becomes exciting. Imagine the Wild West of, of four games that have that have national championship implications to them. And then you got one versus eight. Okay, eight's in a conference that's unproven. They never played anybody good, and they go up against one and pull off the upset. You know, it, it, there's all kinds. Of, it's just like what makes college basketball tournament great is that very reason. Unpredictability. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it also has to do with longevity too, you know. You're going to be playing a, uh, you know, you're going to be playing two, um, three games of elite football, that and and you have to be good. And if you're not, and you know, and I hate to say this, but that kind of puts SEC in a little bit of an advantage there, because they do bounce off each other and they bang heads. And someone like Ohio State as well. You know, with the Michigans and the Wisconsins and all that. Penn State's too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I definitely think it would make it fun. And then, you know, like I said, the UCF can get in that year. If they, yeah. You know. Just that team games. that doesn't get a lot of respect, but they're still undefeated despite yeah. being and then they get in, in a, there not and a get solid great conference. Stomped, it's like they shut mm-hmm. up. They yeah. They, you'll you'll no. see who they are, really, <laughs> truly. But, anyways, that's going to be the end of this show. I really I thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. And again, I hope you guys had a really good Christmas, and I hope you guys have a happy new year. And until next time, I'm Tyler Goff, Tim Renfro. This has been the Man Cave Sports Podcast.